0: Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of the Roar Lions Roar podcast. I am one of your hosts for tonight's episode, Bill Filippo, joined as always by my fantastic co-host, Mr. Nick Pollock. Nick, it's been about an hour since we've talked to each other. How are you doing, buddy?
1: First of all, I appreciate the compliment. I also think I'm fantastic, but I'm doing lovely. I rescind. It's, it's great to be back an hour later.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah we usually, we decided to start breaking these up into two podcasts, and instead of Doing like one on one night and one on the other, we just said screw it, we'll go away for an hour, we'll watch some soccer, we'll uh, enjoy life, I'll do a fantasy football draft and we'll, yeah, we'll just have a good old time. And we actually have uh, the special guest from the last episode on this edition of the pod, Mr. Peter Burks. Peter, what's going on, buddy? What's happening, family? Has anything changed in the last hour that we need to be made aware of? Uh, I did a little laundry. Oh, that's very mm. nice. You, yep. uh, how much of the uh, United States match do you have a chance to watch?
2: Uh, most of it, though, I wouldn't say I was really paying yeah. that much attention. Oh, good. Uh, All good. I, I saw them just rain goals like a, like like hellfire on them in about a 15 minute stretch.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm actually very strongly trying to talk myself out of going to Columbus, assuming the match against Mexico is there on November 11th. So, should be a good time. Should be. A yeah, good time. yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, let's talk about things that won't be as good of a time uh, when. We talk about Penn State, uh, the Nittany Lions. This is our preview uh, podcast for this week, which of course means we are talking about Penn State's game against the University of Pittsburgh, a game that uh, we've mentioned before that we'd maybe feel a little bit more confident about if it was a few more weeks later in the season. But uh, the Nittany Lions are going to rip the Band-Aid off. They're going to Heinz Field and what should be a uh, a not... To terribly partisan crowd in either direction. It should be. If you take out the fact that these two programs re- and their fan bases and all that really don't like each other, this should be a cool football game. But this is a really big game, a really, really big football game. Uh, Nick, I'll start with you. Uh, for some reason, there is this perception that if James Franklin loses to the University of Pittsburgh, his hot seat is going to go from whatever temperature it is at now to really really hot. Do you necessarily think that's the case?
1: No, and I mean if fans want to think that that's fine, but the reality is that this that one game is not going to determine James Franklin's fate at Penn State. And it's I mean the athletic department, Sandy Barbour, they're smarter they're smarter than probably the average fan thinks they are and they are clearly intelligent enough to understand that this is a toss-up I mean this is a toss-up game it's if they if Penn State loses this game it's no fault of James Franklin it's Pitt is a well positioned like they're a good team they have good pieces they have enough to win and they should make at least a little bit of noise in the ACC this year so to say that this game would be the reason for someone's hot seat warming up if you're a fan of Penn State who sticks to the internet and comments on Penn Live, then yeah, that probably makes sense to you. but in reality, it really won't affect his seat at all yeah. in my opinion
0: and the weird thing for me and Peter, maybe you can comment on this a little bit more uh as someone who uh isn't really y you know as, I don't want to say not immersed in the program, but you're getting back into the swing of things with Penn State, as we mentioned on the last edition of the pod, and you mentioned on your welcome post to the site. But it seems like people outside of Happy Valley seem to think that this game is really one that James Franklin absolutely needs uh, going forward if he wants to prove that he deserves to be the head coach at Penn State. As we've mentioned on here, it doesn't really seem like Within Happy Valley, uh, there, there's really any reason to believe that losing this game is going to get his hot seat warmed up. But it seems to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of people in the national college football circles seem to think that if he loses this game, all of a sudden his future in Happy Valley past this year is in doubt.
2: Yeah, no, th- this is very much a perception game. Um, I don't think the perception is very tightly uh, tied to reality, but um, th- this is a a swing game on the schedule, and there I don't think there's a ton of those. So if if Penn State loses this, then you look at your their, their chances for picking up wins down the schedule against you know good teams, and you're like, well, outside of the three teams ahead of them in the like the division. Um, I mean, where are they going to come from? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, um, and, but like, I, th- they, I think they have to win this game simply because if they don't, the internet will be a completely intolerable place.
0: Um, I'm going to follow that up with the obvious question, which is, do you find the internet to be a tolerable place? Sometimes. Bless you. Uh, so yeah, um, I, I, I tend to be in the camp of Uh, I really think James Franklin needs to win this game, but I don't think it's because of his long-term job prospects. I think between uh, the fact that he has a rather large bio, the fact that Sandy Barber seems to really understand that this is a roster with a whole hell of a lot of freshmen and sophomores, that the best days are in the future of Penn State football, not necessarily right now, but right now is building towards it. I think that this game, from that perspective, it's not a big one. But... I think that for the fans, for, uh, for the just team in general, and Nick, this is where I bring you back in, for recruits, it seems like this game is a little bit bigger than most. I'm not saying that you know there's going to be any kids who decide to go to Pitt or Penn State because of this game, but it does seem like there are some kids who are watching this one and saying, I want to see where both of these programs are at.
1: They're definitely they'll definitely be watching the game, particularly the kids that are from the Pittsburgh area, guys like Lamont Wade and Donovan Jeter and a few others. Um and it's not that they won't be watching, but it's they're not like you said, they're not gonna base their decision based off this game. It's more of just a they're just truly interested. Like they these kids, I mean, just similar to Trace McSorley we talked about on the site that he said Penn State Pitt wasn't a rivalry. Well, he was five the last time the two programs played. So the kids that are recruits now were three. So it's not like they've ever grown up in an era where Penn State and Pitt played consistently or at all. So it's more that like growing up in that area, hearing so much about that rivalry, I think it's more that they're just interested to see it happen. They're interested to see it finally make its return and play itself out on the field. So... While they'll they'll certainly be watching, They'll cer- obviously they'll, they'll be watching to see who wins, which coaching staff seems to have the better handle on things, um, what the, what guys at their position do over the course of the games. I know if you're a Lamont Wade, you have to at least be a little interested to see how guys like Jordan Whitehead and Debar Hamlin do, although I believe Hamlin's injured. I'm not sure if he's he'll be back in time. Uh, but overall, I'd say it's more just a pure... In just pure interest on their part not yeah. really so much uh this is going to be a major factor in my recruitment
0: i have read and you could correct me if i'm wrong on this that there are some kids who are watching this game just to see where both of the programs are right now not necessarily uh to say like yeah definitely but just like oh penn state lost by 21, Penn State lost by 28, Penn State won by 21 or 28. Maybe that means they're a little bit closer or farther away than it would appear. Like, that seems like it's about as fair of a uh, recruiting impact thing as you could say, but, like, a 17-14 ugly football game doesn't make up anyone's minds, correct?
1: Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've seen the same, that uh, they're interesting kind of getting a gauge for where each program is, but I've also heard other kids uh, either from my talking to them or others talking to them. I've also heard others say that, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see to kind of get a feel for where each program are, but it's also still the one game. So.
0: so I think the final thing we want to talk about before we actually get into this game, uh, Peter, I'm going to go to you on this. Just on the field, you mentioned how this game is a 50-50 game. So the, uh, just from the, the fans' perspective, Winning this game, and we have friends who are like this, it seems like a lot of people, if Penn State wins this game, all of a sudden there are people talking themselves into 8-4 and and 9-3 and and just what would easily be the best year win-wise under Franklin. But if Penn State loses this game, it seems like there would be this big wave of pessimism to come over the fan base. So just from that perspective... How big is it, just for the collective mindset of the Penn State fan base? You think for Penn State to win this one?
2: Uh, I, I think it's it's very big, um, especially. Uh, I mean, lo- after losing to Temple, I think everybody is kind of eager to see this team win a game against uh, somebody that they would really consider a, a, a rival. So, in this being the first game against Pitt in a while. Uh, yeah, it, it, this game—they really have to win it. Otherwise, people are going to be starting pulling their hair out because they'll wonder when that next win is going to come.
0: Uh, are you like that?
2: No, I—I I would not say that I am, but uh, I, I can certainly understand the mentality.
0: All right, now let's uh, let's talk about this game. The Panthers last week took on. Uh, perennial FCS powerhouse Villanova. They won 28-7, to and uh, I didn't watch a nanosecond of this game. I haven't really read much about this game. I've just looked at box scores, and it seems like the general consensus is this is kind of like uh, what Penn State did against Kent State. You know, just get by this game, win it comfortably, keep them at a bit of an arm's length, just that sort of uh delightful football game that everyone loves to watch. Uh, the standouts, if uh, you can really call them that, were Nate Peterman, uh, their quarterback, uh, Tennessee legend who went 19 for 175 yards, two touchdowns, and then, of course, uh, in all seriousness, the awesome return of James Conner, who, when he is at his best, he is one of the most punishing running backs in all of college football. 17 carries, 53 yards, a touchdown. Uh, the crowd at Heinz Field got... Really, really amped up to see him come back, as all of us did as well. Again, great football player, great story, and the kind of guy who is going to make for a really fun matchup for the Nittany Lions next week. Um, I, but outside of that, like, that, yeah, like, how can you take anything away from a game like this, especially considering uh, Nick? And this is also kind of going back to the Kent State game. This team was not going out and showing its entire hand.
1: Yeah, and it I mean, you, a lot of Penn State fans and actually college football fans in general kind of forget that. They always assume that their team is holding back and they forget (laughs) that other teams are doing the same. Uh, But I guess one thing that I kind of took away from checking our highlights of this game, watching a little bit, looking at the box score, is that, yeah, it was a week one game and week one games were always kind of fluky, but... For Pitt to only average two and a half yards per carry, yep. it's yeah, pretty pretty putrid, especially against and I mean Villanova's not the worst team in the country, but they're certainly far from the best. And that's a pretty disappointing and kind of alarming average for them. But on then on the plus side for Pitt, they also held Villanova to one point six yards rushing. So good and bad there.
0: Yeah. Uh the and I was going to mention the rushing, of performances, especially surprising because yes, it was. It's going to take a while for Connor, to get back to you know being 100% in game shape, 100% up to speed, and used to playing uh, football against someone that isn't you know dudes who aren't trying to hurt you and tackle you too hard and all that. Uh, but yeah, 17 carries, 53 yards. Yeah, I mean, I probably. I'm a little surprised he ran the ball more than like twelve times, but that's neither here nor there. Then you go down Quadri Olison, who was just this big bowling ball of a running back for Pitt last year. He wasn't former easy- Penn
1: State target too.
0: Yeah, former Penn State target. I average about five point three yards per carry. I, he was he was an eleven hundred yard rusher last year, like a pretty powerful running back. He ran the ball seven times for 30 yards. That's 4.3 yards a carry. And then Darren Hall, a guy that a lot of people were expecting to kind of be the lightning to the thunder that Connor and Olsen would provide. Six carries for 13 yards. I mean, just not really the performance we expected out of Pitt's backs and especially out of Pitt's offensive line. Uh, we've mentioned on the last part, podcast about the importance of winning in the trenches in this game especially because Pitt is going to start two dudes on the left side of its line in Anabiznawadi and former Penn State commit Dorian Johnson, who are really, really good offensive linemen. And, Peter, if, I, I think this is ult, ultimately what it comes down to. If Pitt is not able to run the ball on Penn State, that's kind of the matchup to keep an eye on, correct? Because if they can't do that... Do you trust Nate Peterman to beat the Nittany Lions with his arm?
2: No, no, I, I really, very much do not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Peterman is I mean I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean to the kid, but he's of yeah. essentially like replacement level average quarterback, and I, I don't get nervous at all thinking about him having to get back there and throw, you know, uh, you know 40, 50 times a game. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no. If, if they if they can't uh, keep the chains moving on the ground, then that, I'm not sure where the offense is going to come from for them.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's the running game. It's making sure that Peterman is able to get some stuff with his legs because while he he is a guy who would prefer to throw the football, he has shown that he is able to run it a little bit. There are also other factors to consider, uh, along with those three, uh, the Jordan Whitehead. Uh, experiment is always working and whenever Jordan Whitehead is on offense you know that Pitt's going to try and do something really funny with him I'm not sure he even played on offense in the last game so if you're watching that's something that you're going to pull your hair out over probably because he's that boy's just real real good at football Mm -hmm. but then you look at Pitt's receiving core last year it was Tyler Boyd and then just kind of pray something good happens Um, Tyler Boyd is currently getting paid in the NFL, so Pitt doesn't have much of a receiving game, so when you look at the fact that, like Peter said, Nate Peterman, the ultimate replacement level quarterback for the most part, not the kind of guy who if Pitt goes down, say, 14 to 3 or 17 to 3 or something like that you really trust to throw you back into the game. He also doesn't really have the targets in the receiving game to throw a team back into the game. So that running game is something that you're absolutely going to need to watch for. And then, of course, when you're talking about a Pat Narduzzi team, you're talking about the defense. And Nick, this is a defense that it's probably the scariest possible matchup for a guy like Trace McSorley, not because of the amount of talent that they have. Don't get me wrong. Pitt has plenty of talent on its defense, but they're really going to pressure him, they're really going to make him think, they're really going to give him a bunch of different looks, and this is the game that, from from a a quote-unquote rivalry perspective I've been looking at, but from just a football perspective, we're going to learn a whole hell of a lot about Trace McSorley against this defense this weekend.
1: Yeah, and... Maybe almost even more that will more than Trace McSorley. We're going to learn about a lot about the offensive line as well. Oh yeah. Um, and they, to their credit, they played pretty well for the most part against Kent State. I believe. Well, the only sack was the strip sack return for the touchdown, uh, which was a little bit disastrous and not great blocking <laughs> by Brendan. Mann, a little but, bit. Yeah. But it happens. Uh, it happened. It's true. But uh, this will be a really good test for them. Um, I I kind of don't think I pr- I think Trace McSorley is pretty much what he is at this point. The offense is going to dictate him getting the ball out quickly. So, he should always be relatively safe from the rush barring like a complete breakdown in front of him like what happened with Man on the left side or what will probably happen against Ohio State and Michigan State and Michigan. Um so I think this is actually. I think we're actually going to learn more about the state of the offensive line than McSorley in this one. Like, like I said, I think McSorley pretty much is what he is, but I think this will be a really interesting test for the guys up front.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And then the other really interesting matchup in this game, uh, Peter, will I'll let you. Do you want to fawn over Jordan Whitehead and how good he is for a second, and then talk about how Chris Godwin is going to have to, you know do some put in some a good day of work in order to beat him or yeah i mean that i mean that's pretty much it yeah he's he's a
2: guy that can lock you up so um i was like i said in the last one i was concerned about the route running from a lot of penn state's receivers and so i'm very curious to see how free uh godwin's going to be able to get because if you know if we see a performance like that, again, I think these going to be mostly blanketed for the day.
0: Yeah. I, the good news is that, sure, Pitt's secondary. It's going to attack. It's going to uh, play some really aggressive football. One, that puts Penn State in a position where he could break some stuff, definitely. And two, and maybe most importantly, they really only have one Jordan Whitehead. I mean, the rest of their secondary, it's... There are some talented dudes there, but there's a non-zero chance that they try and match up the 6'3", 210 or 215-pound Saeed all with Avante Maddox, who, while a talented cornerback, is 5'9", 170. So I, th- those matchups are going to be so much fun. Um, and I say fun as in I'm not going to be watching this game as a Penn State fan because that would terrify me and none of this game is going to be fun uh yeah Pitts linebackers are fine they're defensive line. I mentioned edgewan price right now which means we're getting our one reference in uh special teams I don't think anyone really cares about special teams because we have Blake Gillikin, and they don't uh but Chris, Chris blewett is you know, <laughs> you know. I, I I'm, no, I'm not trying to say he's good I'm not trying to say he's bad nothing like that I'm just saying that he is a kicker with the last name blewett Which the headlines write themselves As my friends of the newspaper industry would say So um, I'm going to put All of us in the uncomfortable position Where we have to pick a score For this game Nick, I will have you go first Who wins, what's the score And who is the player For Penn State that you think Is the most important if Penn State Wants to win this game
1: Okay I'm sure my answer will be different for every moment leading up to this game. <laughs> but as of right now, because of what I saw out of the pit rushing attack in week 1, I'm going to say that Penn State wins this one by final of 27 to 20. Okay. And, and- as far as most most important player, or most um, most pivotal player?
0: Most important player if Penn State wants to win this game.
1: Most important player if Penn State mm. wants to win this game. I, uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Marcus Allen.
0: Interesting, why is that?
1: I think that... Because I think that we... I, I trust the Penn State linebackers enough to I mean if if Villanova was able to limit their run game I trust our front 7 to be able to do it as well and I'll hope that some of those missed tackles from this last week get cleaned up a little bit and not again as we've said multiple times now to about poor Nate Peterman he won't set the world on fire as a quarterback but in the case that they do throw I like I feel comfortable with that front 7 stopping the run I'm still not sold on the safety duo right now. The corners I'm good with in the secondary, but the safeties I'm still a little iffy on. So if, Mark, if Marcus Allen can have a strong performance back there, if he can help kind of cover some ground back there, if he can be the guy to step up and blitz through the line to get a big sack at some point, if, if he can just be himself and not play too quickly, I think that would go a really long way towards winning this game.
0: All right, uh, Peter, what's it over to you? Let me get a score. Player that is most important if Penn State wants to win this game.
2: Score, I'm going to go with 23-20 Penn State. Uh, I think it's going to be a miserable, no-fun game to watch at all. <laughs> uh, um, and as for most important player, I'm going to take a total cop out here and pick more than one player. Go ahead. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, secondary receiving options uh, after Godwin, either you know Hamilton – uh Cicchi, Tompkins somebody somebody's going to have a good matchup that uh if if the line gives McSorley time that he's going to be able to find somebody um and I think that's really where they uh they can make a little hay
0: All right uh I'm saying this mostly out of the fact that uh I'm a firm believer in the Vince Vaughn and dodgeball uh theory that if you set a low bar you can never be disappointed um I'm going with Pitt to win this game by college football's all-time greatest score, twenty-four to seventeen. Yeah, I I I don't know why. Like, I just it may just be the natural pessimism that I have, but I just have a really really bad feeling about this. I don't think it's like the Temple game from last year where everything just completely unravels. But there's just something about starting a quarterback in his first ever road start again on. You know, against a defense that's going to try and trick him, that's going to try and pressure him. And I fear, and this is something that I'm sure Dan Smith is going to write about a little bit more this week, uh, that this is the kind of game that could turn on a turnover on that one big play that opens things up for the other team. And considering how Penn State has the young dude back there, I think Pitt is the one that gets that. Um, but for my most important player, I'm actually going to go with Jason Cabinda because I think like we've said, the most important thing is for Penn state to go out there and just stuff Pitt's running game and not let them get anything going there, both because that's the strength of their offense. And also because if James Connor gets going that Pitt's sideline Pitt's fans, everything is just going to completely erupt. And yeah,
2: that sort of like emotional boost for them is going to be yeah. so hard
0: to stop. Like if, if Pitt just, like, grinds its way down the field and Connor on the first drive and Connor runs for 35 yards for a touchdown, I'm, I'm turning the TV off and I'm just going to, like, mow the lawn or something because I will be just very saddened after that point. I'll be happy for him, but saddened for Penn State. Uh, so I think Cabinda is big on this one. Not only because I think he's going to have to, you know, really wrap up and get in the face and slow down whatever – combination of running backs, pit throws out there. But I also think he needs to free up the defensive linemen are going to take offensive linemen. He needs to take that one offensive lineman and then free up Naeem Wartman-White and Brandon Bell, both of who are capable of making that one game-changing play that I mentioned a second ago from the linebacker position who could really, really do something special for Penn State. I mean, we've seen Wartman-White make plenty of big plays during his Penn State career. I mean, Bell, we saw he almost... He basically took all the air out of Maryland during the Maryland game with that one uh, strip sack he had on Maryland quarterback. So anything is possible. And I think that Cabinda has to be able to free things up and make life easier on everybody else. I hope he does. Um, I'm going to say I, he doesn't do that. Not because I don't believe in him. I think he's a really good football player. I am just a scared little boy who is scared about things like this. And I think that this is the moment where we turn—we just completely turn this game off. We get away from it. We stop talking about Penn State, Pitt, and we just pick some Big Ten games for this week. Uh, As we mentioned last week, for the most part, we're just going to touch on games really quickly. If they deserve us talking about them, we're going to talk about them. If not, we are, well, not going to do that. And the first game up is a game that I don't think we really need to talk about all that much. Uh, On Friday night, Maryland travels to an airport to take on Florida International. And, um, yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) is, Is Florida International or Florida Atlantic the one where, like, their stadium was sponsored by Prism or whatever. uh that was Fort Atlantic. That was Ford Atlantic. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so yeah. Um, was Mario Cristobal Florida International? I'm just trying to New think State of international. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So we got, I think that reaches the quota of Florida Ooh, international. It's, it's Ron
2: Turner still their coach.
0: Um, I think he might be. Hang on. Yeah. I'm looking Let me this do up. some live. Goop. Uh, duh, duh, duh. yep. He's the head coach of Florida international, baby. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> He brought, I mean, listen, he went 35 and 57 to Illinois from 1997 to 2004. How can he not hire him? And it, to his credit, like, FIU has technically gotten better every year under him 1 and 11, 4 and 8, 5 and 7, and now 0 and 1. So I, you may have something going for you there, Mr. Ron Turner, but uh, do either of you uh, think that they are going to uh, take down the Mighty Terrapins? No
1: against maryland led by maryland quarterback not a chance
0: <laughs> yeah one of those uh maryland quarterbacks i'm sure will uh do something let me just yeah, no this the- this
1: will be this will be the next step on maryland's march towards yeah. being undefeated when they come into beaver stadium yeah, no
0: yeah. no F- fiu is real bad <laughs> they're, they're not gonna do anything here uh they are 113th in s&p plus so why they are one spot above a power five team. So, shout out to Kansas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's stop talking about Maryland football. Uh, next up, Wyoming at Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska whipped the hell out of Fresno State over the weekend. Had that awesome moment where they uh, sent ten men out for their first punt to honor uh, Sam Fultz, their punter who passed away, which was pretty pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I, I think. Again, Nebraska. There's not much to talk about with this one.
2: No, no. I'm uh, I'm super bullish on Nebraska this year. Actually, yeah. I don't. I um, love them. Yeah, no. I, I actually think they're gonna they're gonna be really good, and uh, yeah, they're gonna whip the cracks off Wyoming.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, we're not talking about Penn State and Pitt anymore. So, let's talk about the next cupcake that's traveling to Ann Arbor. UCF, led by former Oregon offensive coordinator Scott Frost. UCF is going to get the hell beaten out of them. Is Michigan co- tries to have the easiest non-con that they possibly can because twelve and zero with a bad non-con, well, you can get into the playoff with that. Peter, uh, can you just give us a take on Harbaugh? I guess.
2: Um, I think he's just a, a big stomping baby man. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, that's about it.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, they're going to. Go biblical on UCF. Next up, uh, Wait, can I can oh, I point yeah. out we're All looking
1: right. at I'm looking at the ESPN lineup of the Big Ten Games for this weekend, and one of the tweets on the right side here is from uh Michael Onway Own who uh was teammates with Lavert Hill at Cast Tech He's a Twenty 20- 16 recruit uh, yeah, Penn, Penn State was targeted. Yeah. yeah, Penn State was targeting him. Looked to be a pretty good position with him, but he eventually went to Michigan. The quote over here says, "Michigan's 375-pound freshman Michael Onwenu was asked today how he keeps weight on during the season while playing both offensive and defensive line." Quote, "I like grapes," he said. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is outstanding. <laughs>
1: and that's it. <laughs>
0: I really want to know, because, let's see, Michael new Un, weighs, according to 24-7 Sports, uh, 360 pounds. So I really boy. want to know how many grapes he has to eat to keep up that figure. <laughs> uh, yeah, moving on. Next game. Uh, actually, a game that may have the potential to be a little bit fun. Our friend Action Cookbooks alma mater, Cincinnati, travels to West Lafayette to take on the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, before we dive into this at all, I'd just like to point out that exactly one of Cincinnati's 2017 commits has stars, according to ESPN. And that is a kicker who has three stars and is graded as a 74 overall. Their second best player in this class is a defensive tackle who is graded 44 overall. So, go to town, Tubbs. Uh, yeah. Should are we all picking this one for uh, Action Cookbook and Holly? Or
2: yes, yeah. But
0: huh? uh, I
2: is Cincinnati might not be that good this year.
0: I mean, Gunner lost the starting job. So,
2: yeah. And also, they they beat UT Martin. Go Skyhawks! Twenty-eight to seven last week, and it was kind of in doubt for a little while. Mm. So, I mean, listen, Purdue's real bad, but yeah. Cincinnati this, might be this game bad. is is not going to be good in, in any way.
1: Cincinnati uh, is also only favored by six in this game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like,
0: hey, you guys want to talk about fun? So, there are two games on at noon on BTN. One is Cincinnati at Purdue. The other is Howard at Rutgers. I'm trying to think yeah. of what things have to happen in your life for you to like turn on BTN at noon on Saturday and want to watch one of those two games. Um, Hell but, yeah, it's but,
2: Howard Rutgers time.
0: Da, 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 <laughs> da, Howard Rutgers da, da, da. Howard, of course, lost 52 to 13 to Maryland last week, and Rutgers lost by a similar scoreline, 48 to 13 to Washington. Um, so yeah, Rutgers is probably going to win this one, and there are probably going to be some Rutgers fans who get really happy about this, and I cannot wait to see what they put on the Twitters. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, there, there yeah. is, uh, there's,
0: there's no reason to watch it. You know what? Everyone has said this week's slate really sucks, and I'm like, nah, I'm sure it's not too bad. This no, week's dude, slate is really Oh, yeah, it's sucks. sad. Jesus Christ. Like the next game, Indiana State at Minnesota on ESPN News. I didn't even know ESPN News played football. Like that? Yeah, it's like the overflow channel when the game is <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Long. That's what I meant. Not, but no, this is like an actual channel where they will place a live football game in the year of our war,
1: 2016. Yeah. Boy.
0: Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Mitchell, I mean, Penn,
1: yeah. Penn State-Pitts like the third best game this weekend, which yeah. kind of well third most captivating on the surface it seems like
0: god almighty like ugh. and one of the games that are better than penn state pit is being played at a nascar track so which
1: is going to be awesome which will rule
0: visually i just like they keep showing pictures of that and i keep going man like Someone is going to try and run onto the field, and they're going to get tired before they get to the field because of just how far <laughs> in it is. Like, yeah, it's they, going to be awesome. Like uh,
2: I, I I, rushed the field and then changed my mind halfway there, which is like a quarter of a mile. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, they come to tackle you and you just go, guys, I get it, don't worry, I misjudged. And they just solemnly walk back like you're George Bluth or whatever. George Michael Bluth, yeah. Um, Illinois State at Northwestern, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if How we're...
1: far can the Wildcats fall?
0: Oh, baby! Listen, oh, ah, go Redbirds! Go Redbirds! Yep, that's that's it. <laughs> now a game that's actually fun to talk about. Tulsa has to go to Ohio State, and I think we learned last week that Urban doesn't care. Like he never cares, but he especially doesn't care this season. Because he's almost certainly heard all the people say Ohio State's a young team. Ohio State, it's going to take him a while to find their groove. And he just wanted to look everyone in the eyes and say, no, screw you. I'm going to put up as many points as I possibly can because I'm Urban Meyer. So, Nick, can you find the over-under on this game? Because I need to know what it is. And
1: ESPN, I... ESPN says it's 29. Oh, over-under. I thought you said oh. Uh, say, uh, yeah, no. yeah I'll, <laughs> I'll...
0: over, over, over.
1: I'll go on Bavada. real quick. Hold on. Uh, Keep tul- talking. Yeah, it. Tulsa
0: is 90th on S&P+. Plus. Their defense is ranked 98th, and they have to go up against an angry Urban Meyer offense. So that's... Uh,
2: Over-under is 67.5.
0: Yep. Ohio State may get 67, 68 by themselves. So, like, what is the score at halftime in this game, Nick? I just want to know the halftime score.
1: I'll say thirty-five-seven.
0: All right, Peter. Forty-two, fourteen. I was going to go forty-nine to three. So awesome. No, listen, Tulsa will score on you a little
2: bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're not going to go. They're not going to stop anybody.
1: I'm, yeah. uh, you, at, you can just take a recording of me for the rest of the season asking about Ohio State games of just me saying Ohio State's going to win because I'm not picking against them at yeah. any point this year.
0: I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like No. Yeah. They're almost fully formed, and once that happens, they're the only thing that is capable of destroying Alabama. So, uh, acronym number 10, Wisconsin. Uh, dare I say that Wisconsin could be in for a bit of a letdown game?
2: Man, number ten.
0: Number ten.
2: Oh man, the, that's such a brutal overranking for them.
0: People, people are really, really excited that they beat... wait. Weren't they unranked? They were. Yeah. They're up to ten. Yeah. Come
2: on. Yeah. That's, oh, insane. I mean, dude, this ha- that's I, insane. Texas
0: was unranked. at their eleven.
2: Yeah, but like. Oh uh, uh, well. I mean, that's not
1: good either. Right. But LSU was five. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Holy
2: smokes! That's such an insane overranking for them. Yeah. Like, like, Wisconsin might be better than I thought they were going to be, but yes. um, they're... they also only oh, win five no. games. Still, oh honey, no! But this is going <laughs> to end so badly.
0: <laughs> I mean, yes, they're going to start the season three and zero. I have zero doubt in my mind about that. Especially now that they were able to beat LSU, but that Akron game is going to end up being like twenty-one to seven. That Georgia State game is going to be something like 31-14. to Just scores where people are going, did we maybe overrate LSU a little bit? And then they have to go to Michigan State, and then to Ann Arbor, and then home against Ohio State, and then to Iowa. So they're going to win a bunch of close games for the next two weeks, and they could very easily go 0-4 in that next stretch. And the entire time, Les Miles is just going to be like, guys, we need you to win some games, so if you could uh, help us out a little bit. But yeah I think that this is going to be a really ugly, somewhat of a letdown game for uh for Wisconsin. still think they win, but Nick, are you brave enough to say that Akron wins this one?
1: I'm not, but I will say I mean it's not like Wisconsin played pretty last week, so it's it won't really be that much of a difference to the eye, I would think.
0: Yeah, Wisconsin doesn't believe in playing pretty, so the fact that you would it's even true. suggest that is a bit of an insult uh how many let's see I mean yeah. Joel
1: Stave was beautiful enough. I guess mean, Joel Stave was aesthetically
0: pretty. pleasing, but I don't know if we could say his style of football was, uh, was up there. Yeah, Bart Houston went 19 for 31 with 205 yards and a pair of interceptions and a win. So good job, LSU. Um, let's see. Ball State at Indiana. Shout out to the Crimson Quarry guys, as always. Uh, God. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, Chaos I'm still... team by 50. Chaos team by... <laughs> well, the... I mean, I would agree with you, but the thing is they're gonna it's gonna they're gonna open up like a fifty point weed and that's gonna be something like fifty to thirty eight as a final so
2: yeah that's yeah. that's highly likely
0: The thing with Indiana is I want every one of their games to be as goofy as possible just because I want to love a college football team who plays football like that that isn't my team, so yes yeah yeah, yeah, um, let's see. North Carolina at Illinois. Illinois had a, uh, like, all credit to Lovey Smith. I expected, I don't think anyone thought that they were going uh, to, you know, lose against Murray State, but they put up a nice showing uh, in the first game of the Lovey era, but now they get to play a North Carolina team that is, uh, is angry the word Peter? And what happens when Larry Fedora gets angry?
2: Well, once he wakes up at noon on his boat and gets out of there, he's going he's gonna to put a beating on you.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, man, weird things happen when you drink an entire 30-rack in Miller White and Larry Fedora just can't help it means he falls asleep on a boat.
2: Oh, man, yeah. No, I mean, it, North Carolina looked, I thought, I thought they looked pretty good for most of the game against Georgia.
0: Yeah, and then they just got chubbed.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they were just sort of out-talented a little bit yeah. there at the end. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to smoke, Illinois.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I was going to say, you know, the let's disrespect Iowa thing, but I completely forgot what this weekend is.
1: El Asico. El
0: Asico. This is El Asico. The most important game of all of college football. Um, Nick, I need a line. I need a over-under on this one.
1: Um, the line appears to be Iowa by 15. Okay. Um, over, under, Iowa State, Vegas Insider, the line is 51.
0: Okay, so, uh, Iowa by, you said 15? Yes. Okay, and then 51. Iowa beat Miami of Ohio by 24 points last week. Their beatdown was so good that Kirk Ferentz is going to be there until the end of time now. <laughs> with a, and that's partially because his buyout's going to be in the thirty million range. And then Iowa State lost to Northern Iowa, uh, twenty-five to twenty. So, what does El Asico mean to you, Nick?
1: Um, well, I, I mean, previously it meant just horrific football. But last year, I actually I was covering it for espionation, just for the quick recap. It was one of the most entertaining games I watched, not because it was great football, but because number one, that was my tr- first like true introduction to CJ Beathard, who is immediately became one of my favorite players to watch. But two, because it was the number of insane catches that happened to that game was kind of ridiculous. Like there were one handed grabs, diving grabs. So I mean, when I think of Alaska, that's kind of what I think of now, and I love it.
0: Yeah, what does it yeah, mean? This, you? this yeah. is
2: uh, a game that rifles through your medicine cabinet and, <laughs> and steals your car.
0: <laughs> uh, and on that note, uh, I think, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get any better than that. So let's end this episode of the podcast. Uh, yeah, thank you again, Peter, for showing up in these last two episodes. We'll be sure to get you back on here sometime, hopefully, for a Weekend, we could we have a little bit more fun picking the games. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Uh, of course, read everything that Peter does on Roar Lions Roar. Make sure you read everything that everyone does on Roar Lions Roar. Like us on social media. We're on Facebook, Roar Lions Roar, Twitter, at RLR Blog. We have an Instagram, Roar Lions Roar. Nick set it up. If he accidentally posts to it, you could yell at him for that. Uh, I already bye. did that once. All right. Buy a t-shirt, uh, buy two t-shirts, buy as many t-shirts as you want. They're very nice t shirts. They're so comfortable. They are so yeah, did you end up getting one? Yeah. When did you uh, when did you get it in? Uh, you, post, last
1: week. you posted a picture with
0: it. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I yeah, Peter King. <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you drinking Allagash Wit?
2: Uh, no, I
0: wasn't. Ah, okay, so we'll give you a, we'll give you a fifty percent or something. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's it for this episode of the Pod. for uh, Peter Burks for Nick Pollock. I and Bill DeFilippo thank you very much for listening to the Roar Lions Roar Podcast peace out y'all
2: bye Later.